You're listening to the Great Synth 68 Podcast, the dedicated Birmingham City women's audio show bringing you the latest news and interviews from the club. Enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 56 of the Great Synth 68 Podcast, the dedicated weekly women's football podcast about all things Birmingham City. It's great to be back for another week, and I'm joined, as always, by Chris and Kaz. How are you both this evening? Yeah, I'm great, thank you. How are you? Good, thanks. Chris, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Good to hear it. Before we get into the show this week, we've got a little bit of personal news. We were nominated for an award. We are, we are up for the Best Women's Football Content Creator Award at the annual Football Blogging Awards, and you can help us win the award, hopefully, for Birmingham City. If you go to footballbloggingawards.co.uk, you can select us in the tab for the women's content creator. Try and vote for us and hopefully we'll bring back an award for the Midlands. So let's hope so. You must remember that any vote for us is a vote against Rich Laverty, which is obviously the most important thing. So uh, yeah, keep your votes coming in and that'd be much appreciated. Chris's best friend, that is, in the world. <laughs> On to the news then and... We'll start with the news from today, and that is that Sarah Mailing has agreed a new two-year contract with the club, which will see her stay at the Blues until at least 2021. The 22-year-old has made 43 appearances for the club since joining from rivals Aston Villa in 2017. It's obviously the first of hopefully many, Chris. How do you think the news has gone down uh, for you? Yeah, I think that's the main thing. You know, you'd hope that it's the... uh... It's the start of a, a number of contract renewals that, that will take place between now and the end of the season. We've built something under Mark and Mart has come in and you'd want the majority of the of the current squad to stick around. So, um, yeah, good to see um, that we've got one on the board. And like I say, hopefully the, uh, the contract renewals continue. Let's hope so. It seems like under Marta in particular, uh, Kaz, that Sarah Mailing's been getting more game time uh, from right back and that, that sort of right-sided position. But she obviously can still play in the midfield as well. So it's obviously a versatile player to have on board for another few seasons. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this season, I think Sarah's shown that she's capable of playing in midfield and, like you said, at right back. Uh, I think it's a great signing for the club as well to get Sarah back under contract. Yeah, it's great news all round. Also in the news today was the announcement that the Women's Super League will kick off next season on the 7th of September. The Continental Cup will not start until the 21st of September, so it looks like they're rejigging the order once again. Other important dates include the Conti Cup final, which is penciled in for the 29th of February next year, and the FA Cup final on May the 9th, 2020. Any thoughts on those dates, Chris? It's obviously they're changing it from having the League Cup start the season back to the actual league games, so is that a positive, do you think, for you? Yeah, I, I I don't think it matters really. I mean, you know, the the, the Continental Cups, the, the way they did that, um, you know, starting with that this year, I think it gave people a bit of a chance to get their eye in a little bit. But next season, you're gonna you're gonna be, have to be starting, banged on the money in, in the league campaign, um, and before the cup gets into play. Um, I think the one thing I noticed was no midweek fixtures are in the schedule. Um, for, for the league games, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for the league games. So if ones get postponed, the, the chances are that um, midweeks might be used then. But actually to not have them in, in the schedule now, 
I think is a good thing for the supporters. Um, Travelling up and down the country for a, for a seven o'clock kickoff, it's it's not helpful for the away supporters. Whereas keeping them predominantly on the weekends will will benefit the supporters for that. That's the one thing that I'd take from the from the uh, announcement today. Yeah, absolutely. I think this season it was both Brighton games were both on the Wednesday evening. So yeah, and that's that's not not an easy trek in the, at the best of times in the midweek. So. Yeah, as you say, it's hopefully a positive move, reducing the amount of games um, in midweek. I think two of the uh, League Cup group stage matches will still be on the, on a Wednesday, but hopefully no more games will be, as you say. So let's move on now to last weekend and the game against Arsenal. Before we went into the game, what did everyone think of the stadium upgrades since the last time we played there? I thought it looked pretty good, to be fair. Kaz, what did you think? Yeah, quite, I like it. I did like the inside because obviously the bar and that... But the stand looks pretty epic. Yeah, a lot of people were saying in that uh, the, the the new stand in the far the opposite of the main stand. Chris, uh, did, what what did you think? It, it, obviously, the, they're getting more the the club Solihull Moors are getting bigger now, and it's it's um, paying off for us as well. Be, being playing there. Yeah, I went down um, for the one of the Moors games anyway, so I'd I'd seen the the development anyway. Um, but yeah, it was interesting to see that a lot of a lot of the supporters uh, decided to sit in that new stand on the far side. Um, yeah, but it's it's good for you know if attendances do improve, if if people if people keep coming through the door, not only for Blues women but Solihull Moors as well. Um, you know they've they've got to stick, got to meet league regulations and EFL regulations in terms of the ground. So. Um, yeah, it looks it looks like a club on the up, you know, which is important. And when you've got that ethos around the club and things look like they're being being done um, and being improved, then it helps the whole atmosphere around the ground as well. Yeah, absolutely. And for those who haven't been in a while, there is now the obviously the seated stand, which is opposite the main stand, as we've said, which I believe a good chunk of sports, as Chris pointed out, uh, tried out this weekend. I think that it helps that a lot, um, well, not a lot of sports, but there was a good chunk of supporters who used to stand on that side. So it's obviously gives them somewhere to sit now, now that there's a stand there. Apart from that, uh, I suppose it was like the away supporters end, that really old stand in the far side, which yes, not many people. It was like a wind tunnel, I think, because the, the, the roof... And then it's like no sides on either side. It's just the wind just passed straight through it and made it even colder. So, mm. and and other options on that side is always a positive. It was also the first weekend of the return of the ice cream van, as we bid farewell to the pork roll guys for another season until the winter chill returns. As a quick aside, what is your ideal football snack if you got to choose one, uh, Kaz? You go first. Oh, I'd probably have to say chock and nut ninety nine with two flakes and. So, Kaz, your, your ideal football snack is an ice cream. Is that is that right? It is, yeah. An ice cream and a pint. And what about you, Chris? Regular listeners of, of the podcast and regular viewers of my Twitter timeline won't be surprised to hear that it, uh, uh, a nice peppery bovril will do me. Thank you very much. Another good option. The the typical pie is always always a, always a favourite with a lot of people. Um I, I quite like the one at Kidderminster. It's like, um, I think it's shepherd's pie. It was like, or cottage pie. It's one of those two. It's kind of like um, homemade. So it's it's one of the, it's always the most expensive pie in the football league, but it's always one of the best, I think. So that that's my cho- choice, but I'm I'm unique that way. Yeah. Anyway, um, so let's go on to the game then. And it was in front of a superb crowd of 1,520 supporters that saw Arsenal narrowly defeat Birmingham City thanks to a 79th minute winner 
from Katie McCabe. McCabe herself was in the wards from the kickoff when she was unceremoniously taken down by Aoife Mannion, who was booked for her efforts. I was sat with a couple of Arsenal supporting media guys and they thought she should have walked for this one. What did you both think? First of all, Chris? Um, I, did, I didn't see it because we were... Because they decided that they were uh, going to kick the other way, um, and we always stand behind the goal. We we're attacking. We were walking around the other side, so I didn't actually see the tackle. But Ifa isn't normally one to to go in for the really late challenges. Um, but yeah, I, I saw a few people suggest that it could have been a red. But I think being early on in the game, it helps her out. Yeah, it's not like Aoife to uh, let the occasion get to her like that. What Did did you see it, Kaz, or were you um, in movement as well? No, I was in movement as well, but like you said, it's not an Aoife's game, is it, to wear late tackles? No. So, yeah, I think it was just probably the game, the occasion got to her a little. Yeah, quite possibly. There was a later incident that Keris got booked for as well, which I thought was more harsh, but I have to say the Aoife one looked bad in real time personally. Uh, it seemed unnecessary too. She she wasn't really going anywhere. But however, it's safe to say the referee didn't have the best of games, despite probably being one of the most highly qualified officials in the women's game currently. There were three incidents in particular. I remember she got wrong. Ellen was hauled to the ground and nothing was given at one point. The same happened at the other end for, I believe, Danielle van der Donk. And then later on, the same Arsenal player performed a remarkable swan dive in the area, which I personally wanted to see a yellow card for simulation for. But what did you think of the referee's performance overall, Chris? That that Van der Donk dive that you mentioned, I'd like to see a six-game ban, never mind a yellow card given for that sort of thing, um, because that was absolutely woeful. I mean, there was, it was such a poor attempt to try and win a penalty. You know, the the fact that you try and you know contrive to 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 win a penalty against against the opposition is is bad enough by by cheating that way, but. You know, in the manner she did it, it wasn't even close. Um, yeah, so I was, I was very surprised that she didn't give a yellow card for that. But um, just generally, the, I mean, we could talk about refereeing performances after after every podcast, and and you know, there'll there'll be things to to pick up on that the referee didn't didn't do very well. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't think she was anything spectacular. A, a number of times Arsenal seemed to, to get around her and surround her and that they, they won a few free kicks that way um, by sheer pressure, pressuring the referee. Um, but they're the bigger side. They're the, you know, the more famous side. And maybe that's, that's something that we've got to, we've almost got to bring into our game, you know, that, that actually we are going to, sometimes we're a little bit too naive um, and a little bit too honest for our own good. Um, you know, a number of times when we being fouled, people holding on to us, we try and stay up as long as possible. Um, whereas other teams in the division choose to choose to go down and win the free kick. Um, but again, that is that is maybe that is just the uh, the size and stature of those clubs, and they will get those decisions, and we won't. But yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough as it's happening, um, but it's just something you you come to terms with and, and get used to, really. Yeah, absolutely. And I've refereed a game in the past myself, and it's not it's not easy for them. And um, I think the best thing you can say is none of her decisions influence the result of the game. So that's always always a positive. A little bit of trivia for you before we move on. It's the, uh, the referee that we had for that game was also the same referee that was in charge of the 2017 FA Cup final match against Man City at Wembley Stadium. 
nonetheless. Blues never really got going in the first half with Hannah Hampton pulling off some great saves as the first first half came to a close to keep us in it. What did you both think of Hannah's performance at the weekend? I think I counted 10 saves in total from the 18-year-old Kaz. I was calling for Kelly, like the Blues to bring another goalkeeper in, but I think Hannah's proven a hell of a lot of people wrong. Uh, I think she was absolutely superb. If I'm being honest, I think she's going to be one hell of a keeper in the future and maybe England's number one as well. Yeah, she had a, an absolutely incredible game. And um, Alex Brooks has come in and obviously been given the number one shirt, but it, it's going to take a lot of uh, effort to try and take this starting place from Hannah, Chris, going forward. She's obviously in great form at the moment. Yeah, and, and she's earned it as well. Obviously, the you know what, what was going on with Anne in December, um, you know, so so Hannah Hannah was playing. Hannah had occupation of the shirt even when Anne was here. So, you know, it it, it will take it will take uh, a bad run of form for Hannah um, or Alex to be doing incredible in training um, for, for her to displace Hannah at the moment. But when when Hannah's putting in performances like that, as you say, I think the, the thing that stood out for me was, you know, it was saves that. You wouldn't have been surprised if Anne had made them, but anybody else, you'd probably say that's a really good save. Um, the one from in the first half that I remember from, from Amida Marheda, and she tipped it over the bar. Brilliant reflex save. Um, looked comfortable, looked confident in front of the back four. Um, yeah, I think that the biggest credit you could give her is that um, you know we, we've lost Anne, but actually the reason we've we've been on a on a losing run at the moment of, of a few games is nothing down to Hannah, um, and that's the biggest credit you could give her. Yeah, absolutely. And I spoke to Hannah after the game, and here is that interview. Hannah, great occasion to play against a, a team like Arsenal, and obviously you made I think it was nine saves in that game. It's just a shame that that, that one just slipped past. It must be really going, given how how many saves you had to make, that one managed to get past you in this one. Yeah, it, it was a bit unfortunate the way it went in. I mean, I'll look at how it went in and I'll try and better it for next time. But to be honest, they're, they're going to win the league. They're up there with one of the best teams in this country. And to nearly keep that clean sheet and just one shot, the last shot they've taken has gone in. It is upsetting, but we had a great performance. We, we were up there with them, so it shows that we, we can do it. We can perform with them as well. You've played Arsenal three times this season so far and you've competed with them every single game it's been really close in every single one and today you keeping the team in in it at times you're making great saves and obviously it must be really good for your confidence how well you're playing at the moment for Birmingham City given that there's been a break in between yeah I mean of the training we've had in between has been really helpful and I always wanted to come into this game wanting to perform great because I obviously I go away with international after so I wanted to like take my performance into that and I feel like I have I can do that um I mean, there are areas in the game that I, I should have done better with and I need to improve a lot on. It wasn't the best performance I've ever had, but if I've helped the team not get beaten by a large amount, it's always a good feeling. There was a moment in the game where you, you, you took on a defender and it's obviously the confidence that you have in yourself to beat the defender, when, which, which could have gone wrong, but in, in this case it hasn't and it just shows how confident you are playing at the moment. I don't know where, where that's come from. I've got no skill. I mean, all the girls will tell you in training I've got no skill, but I think that's where it's come from Mark as manager, wanting to play out and telling the keepers to be confident on the ball and Marta continuing that. I think it's given me the belief that I've actually got good footwork skills and to be able to do that. And I think being brought up in Spain as well and having the quick passing philosophy being drilled into me, it, it also helps, I think. 
Obviously, Alex came in in the transfer window, Alex Brooks. Um, obviously, she's giving you more competition to fight for your place. Is that pushing you to keep your standards really high as well? Yeah, Alex is lovely. She's, she's great. We've got on really well in the first couple of months she's been here. Um, I mean, when Anne left and I was the only keeper, it, it was hard to, to maintain the standards. But I feel like with Alex, she, she does really push me. And we've got that good bond with each other that no matter who's playing or who's not, we're always supportive with each other. And, and it's really nice to have that. Ellen White forced a good save from Pauline Peramanian before the first half was over, but in truth, we didn't get forward that much in the opening 45 minutes. Birmingham did come out after the break well, though, and actively looked to push for a goal themselves, and it looked like the pressure was getting to the Arsenal players. Misplaced passes started to become more common as the realisation dawned on them that the title race might be going to the final day against Manchester City. But against the run of play, Arsenal actually took the lead. McCabe cutting inside and firing under Mannion and into the bottom corner and out of the reach of Hannering goal. It was another tough one to take, I thought, Chris, having pushed Arsenal on three occasions now this season and still with nothing to show for it. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'd agree with against the run of play. I thought I thought that the way the game was going, it, it was very end-to-end. Um, Arsenal had a couple of chances, like, similar to the fashion in which they scored the goal. Um, you know, they, they were breaking on us three-on-three on occasions. Um, but I think that was, you know, credit to credit to the girls. I think that was because of of the fact that we, we knew we didn't really come out and, and show our strengths in the first half and we wanted to in the second half. Um, you know, we wanted to make a game of it. Um, but it opened it up, um, you know, and it made it a lot more free-flowing. Uh, which which helps Arsenal's attacking sense. Um, you know, like I said, Kim Little picking up the ball, Van der Dunk picking up the ball in in lots of space in the middle of the park with lots of room to run into. Um, but you know, we we had to do that to create our own chances. Um, and unfortunately, like you say, there they took their chance as it as it came ten minutes to go, and and you could see what it meant to them. You could see how important that three points were. Um, with the way they celebrated at the end, they knew that this was the this was the tricky one um, of of their fixtures to come, um, and and they've got it out of the way, and and I fully expect them to to wrap up the title before the end of the season now. Yeah, absolutely. And Kaz, I think we had two decent chances in the game. I think it was the Chloe Arthur header and Alan White shot across goal. Which got which uh, which chance did you think was the best, and what did you think of our uh, game overall? went to where Chloe Arthur with that header that just narrowly went wide um, I think Ellen should have had a couple more free kicks overall during the game just before the one that we did have um, our overall performance wasn't actually that bad like you said the first half we didn't even we weren't even on par with Arsenal they, they ran the show the first half um, so second half I think we had to come out and show some grit and that's what we did. We got on the ball more. We pressured Arsenal at the back a bit more. And I, th- I thought we were lucky not to get anything from the game. Yes, yeah, the minutes ticked by, I thought we were going to get something. And then obviously they took the took the lead and then we didn't have any more chances after that, really. Uh, I also spoke to manager Marta Tejador for the first time following Sunday's game. And I began by asking her about what her first home game had been like for her at Damson Park. It was your first home game as manager today. Obviously not the result you would have wanted, but it, how was the experience for you having your first home game here? 
Yeah, it's the first and the last one. Yeah. <laughs> in, in fact, it will be the only one. <laughs> the experience was good. I, I like this place. Uh, it's great to have so many kids and families and supporters here. Um, but obviously, as we didn't get any point today, we were a little bit disappointed on that. You've been at the club for a couple of months now. Yeah. Uh, has it been frustrating that you've had so many players away for international games during that time? No, for me it's not. It's not something to be frustrated. It's something that you're willing to. And uh, for me, uh, we must feel very proud about uh, players in the international, in, in their national teams during the international break and uh, as, as many as possible. It's a, it's, a, it's a reason to celebrate, not a reason to be disappointed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, of course. Obviously, it brings some trouble because it, it gets some time that you could have um, spent it on building your team and you don't have your team available. But uh, for me, it's something to celebrate much more. Hannah Hampton made, I think, nine saves today in this game. She had a really good performance, keeping you in it with some great saves. Um, a special word for her since you've come to the club. Has she impressed you? Because she obviously came in as just... The, the only keeper and then you brought in another keeper yeah yeah I'm not so impressed because I know her and uh, I know it, it's the way she is see, I think she's really good one of the best things is that she's very young so maybe you compare her with top keepers and you say okay they they all are very good but she's 18 she's she has her, her whole career in front of her so yeah it's I think she's uh, an outstanding player with the season almost over now, are you working on signing the squad to new contracts for next season? Yeah, yeah, we're focused on that. We have many players uh, ending their contracts and we're focused on the building the new squad or uh, checking who's staying, who's not, and uh, reorganise our team for next season. Can we expect to know anyone, uh, any contracts being announced anytime, anytime soon? I don't know. Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't know, but... Uh, uh, Many times the the final answer is not it, it won't come from me it come from yeah. them so hopefully they they want to to stay here most most of our players will want them to stay or if not all of them <laughs> have you had a chance to visit any Spanish restaurants since you've come to Birmingham I've had any chance to eat anywhere nice so far I know there's a few different ones around the city no I haven't gone to any Spanish restaurant I've gone back home. I think three times since I'm here. Sometimes I flow home one day and come back next day and not even spending 24 hours at home. But uh, my mom's kitchen is the best Spanish restaurant that I know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, so you obviously miss the, the, the comforts at home now that you're in England, obviously. C moving to a country completely different to, I guess, Spain, since it, it, it must be a lot to get used to, obviously, like the weather and stuff and the <laughs> and the uh, just the atmosphere of, of England, I guess. Yeah, I think it's, it's very different. It's, it's, it's the language, it's the culture, it's the weather who's, that is killing me. It's, uh, it's the way you, uh, we uh, understand and think on football also. Football, uh, like the cool football culture is also very differ different. But um, this is something that it may be kind of a difficulty, but for me it's also an opportunity to, to know different things, to learn from you, to, to adapt myself to a new culture, so I'm happy here. And final question for today, um, what is your favourite meal? Mm, probably paella. 
Yeah, yeah probably. With, with, with the traditional, with, with prawns and stuff in, or do you like, do you, with, with more like chicken or chorizo? Or uh, with everything. With everything, just <laughs> with everything, everything in it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. As our listeners may or may not know, Sunday's game was our final one of the season at Damson Park. The final home game of the season against Liverpool will be at St Andrews on the 28th of April. I thought it would be a good idea to look back at each of the games at Damson Park this season to pick out some of the more memorable ones. The games that we've had at home are Man City we lost on penalties in the Conti Cup. We beat Aston Villa in the Conti Cup 2-0 and we drew 0-0 with Bristol in the Conti Cup. And then in the league we beat Everton, Brighton, we lost to Man City 3-2. Chelsea we drew 0-0. West Ham was a 3-0 win. Yeovil 2-1 win. Reading 2-1 win. Bristol 1-0 loss. And Arsenal 1-0 loss. For me, perhaps the most memorable one is for all the wrong reasons, and that's the 3-2 defeat to Man City. The Manchester side are still unbeaten in the league and probably shouldn't be after what we did and threw away a two-goal lead to lose to them back in September. A comedy own goal from Abby McManus was then followed by a goal from Meg Sargent to put us in a great position after 49 minutes. But Caroline Weir, Nikita Paris and Tessa Woolart turned it around in a 19-minute spell. Another one I remember is the 0-0 draw to Chelsea. It featured a really great tackle from Captain Keris Harrop, only for the referee to point to the spot for a penalty. It would lead to a showdown between former Blues star Karen Carney and our star keeper at the time, anne Katrin Berger. The German stopper, who left for the London club only a few months later, denied Kaz from the spot to secure us a point against the champions. What about you two? Any moments or matches that stand out besides the ones we've mentioned? We'll start with you, Kaz. Oh, just Redden. Redden at home. Wow. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Wow. Yeah, comfortably Redden at home. Megan Sargent's light, 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 light winner after Remy had equalised late on and they thought that they'd snatched a point and certain individuals were very happy about that and then not so happy a minute later when Megan scored the winner. Um, yeah, e- easily moment of the season for me, that one. I think I remember one of the Reading coaches banging on the uh, the dugout when they'd scored that goal. Yeah, yeah when they've equalised, and then obviously minutes later we take 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 the winner. So, I think there were a few people uh, from the Reading side that day who probably probably will regret doing what they did at the equaliser and then and then going on to lose. Yeah, things like that happening, and it's great to have that rivalry that we do have with Reading because football football's all about a, a bit of bit of. Uh, Friendly rivalry, let's say. Or unfriendly. Or that, which, whichever one you want to say. <laughs> but before we go this week, a quick reminder that we are doing something a little different next week on the show. We, are, we will debate some topics provided by our listeners. So if you have any, any questions for us that you'd like us to answer or discuss, please get in touch with the show on Twitter at GreatSince68. We've had a few in so far, which are going to be nice topics to discuss. Chris, anything you want to say before we leave today? You know, considering the fact that we have been nominated for this award. Thank you to everyone who voted for us initially. Um, and if you are doing so again in the second vote, then thank you very much. Thanks for all the listeners that we get uh, and the contributions that keep coming in and, and keep on listening. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to do this show with you two every week. And Kaz, what about you? Anything you want to say? Uh, yeah, this England game's boring. <laughs> <laughs> You can, you can see how um, focused Kaz is on this podcast that he's already got the game on that I, I haven't put on yet. So, But we'll, we'll leave it there. Thank you for listening. And as Chris said, thank you very much for voting for us for this award. And we really appreciate your support for this show that's almost been going two years now as we reached 
September it will be two years. So thank you very much for listening and I'll, we'll see you next time. And that was the Great Sense 68 podcast. To listen to future shows or listen back to our previous ones, go to iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you may use. And search for Great Sense 68 and subscribe today. Thanks for listening and remember, keep right on.